Praise the Lord. I'm so happy to be standing here before all of you and sharing the word of God. At the same time, I'm also always nervous every time I get up here. I always remember the story that Pastor shared when he was standing up here. I don't know if you remember the story. It was about a young man. Uh, the church always wanted to give him an opportunity, or the pastor wanted to give him an opportunity, and, and the young man would come up to speak. But every time the young man would come up to speak, he would say, I forgot the message. And every time I get up here, I can only think to say the same thing. I forgot the message. But I didn't forget the message, so don't worry. But I want you to look to your neighbor. I want you to tell them, God has a plan for you. Before you tell them, though, if you already told them, you get another time, you get another chance. Believe it. Look at the person for a second. Look at them. And then think, I'm saying this to somebody. I'm not just saying this. God has a plan for you. So many times in our lives, our life seems like there is no purpose. And we are simply living. And a week has gone by. Months has gone by. And what is the point of my life? What am I doing on this earth? How am I living my life? Where am I going? What am I doing? What does this even mean? Praying, reading the Bible, worshiping, all these things. Has it all become meaningless? Has it all become pointless? No. That's why I actually do Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose concerning your life. Amen. Amen. Now, you guys do not sound like you believe it. It was almost 10 years ago that I really got saved in my life. I remember my dad was pretty much done. Uh, they were pretty much done with me. They said, we got to save this guy somehow. And my dad was, uh, 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 one of my cousins was a Navy recruiter. And he sent me to my cousin to get recruited into the Navy. And we were talking and these things were happening. And uh, after the summer, I was going to sign up and I was going to go to the Navy. But during that summer, whether I knew it or not, God had a plan for me, and he said, no. He said, you're not going to do whatever you want to do, or it's not going to be according to when people give up on you, or whether they choose, or they, they said, that's enough. For three days, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Spirit, and my life was radically changed. God had a purpose for me, and I know and I believe God has a purpose for you. This morning, we know that this, this day is celebrated as Easter. Easter is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Traditionally, Sunday is celebrated as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus rose again on Sunday, and then the disciples said, every Sunday we will meet together and we will celebrate that Jesus Christ has risen. Before I get into my message, I want to tell you a story. I don't know if you heard this story before. But there was a, a homeless man that had once died. And there was a servant of God who was going to conduct 
his funeral, and it was in Kentucky. Now, seeing that this man was a homeless man, he had no friends, no family, there was no one, so they were going to bury him in the backwoods since there was no money. Now, this servant of God came to a, 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 a musician. Maybe he was like Stan. And he, and he, and he told the, the musician, hey, can you come and can you play at this funeral? Now, the musician, he's a great musician. He's talented. He's well-known. And the musician said, yes, I will come. So he starts driving and coming to the funeral, and for some reason, since it's a Kentucky backwoods, he has no way or idea how to get there. He gets lost. And by the time he gets there, everybody's gone, and the people who put the, who put the casket in the grave and cover the grave with a, a cement flab and bury the casket are the only people there, and they're pretty much done with their work, and they're just sitting and having their food. So this musician comes and he's apologized. I'm so sorry. I'm so late. And what he does, he starts to play Amazing Grace. Playing this song, suddenly the people that were there start crying. Then he starts crying. They all started crying. Finally, at the end of it, this man gets his instruments, puts it back in the car, and he's about to get in the car. And suddenly the workers... One of the workers, as he's getting in the car, says, 20 years in my whole life, I have never seen anything like this before. I've never seen somebody come and play for a septic tank to be put in the ground. See, so many times, I don't know if you missed that, so many times in our life, we fail to realize what is the true purpose of God in our life. Or what is the true purpose of Easter or Jesus Christ coming down into this world for our life. There's so many sayings. There's so many verses that speak about this. Jesus came not to serve, but to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. So many verses are there like this. But let me ask you, why did Jesus Christ come down to earth? Why? What would you say? I don't know, this is my first time using this, so I'm going to push the button. He came down for you. Make it personal. I said he came down particularly just for you. Don't say he came for this, he came for that. No, he came for me. Me. When I got saved, I didn't think, oh, Jesus Christ, this, this, that. No. I thought, how God loved me so much. How God loved me so much. Every Sunday, we have Holy Communion in IPA. Every church, some churches are different, once a month, some churches twice, uh, twice in a month. But in IPA, we do it every single week, every Sunday. Now, when I receive the bread and the wine, I always pray two things. And pastor also says it up here from here. When I receive the bread, this is what I say and I pray. 
Lord, your body was broken so that I could be one with you. You gave of yourself that I may be one with you. And before I eat that Holy Communion, I only think this is the reason what it's all about. That I may be one with you. That I could come near to you. That I could be one with you in heart, in mind, and in spirit. Isn't that the truth of why Jesus came to this earth? There is no other real reason other than that. If you look in the book of Genesis, it starts as man is being lost or taken away from God. And then if you look in the end of the, of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it says now God is with his people and his people are with him. They are one. And I believe that that is the reason why Jesus Christ came down. He came down so that we can be one with him. Don't think that this Holy Communion is something simple and something small. You know why they use the thing, the, the, the elements that they use? They use the bread and they use the wine. When I went to India, they wanted to do a lot of cultural inclusion. One church, they wanted to use coconut and the coconut water. In different places, they wanted to use different things. But the bread and using the bread and using the wine has so much of significance. Do you know how bread is made? You have to take the grains, you have to grind it, you have to crush it, you have to make it nothing. That is why we use bread in the Holy Communion. Similar with the wine or the grapes. How do you get this wine juice or this grape juice? You have to crush it, you have to beat it, you have to make it nothing. And then you finally get the element. That is why we use bread and wine. That is what Jesus Christ has done for me and done for you. He broke himself. He made himself nothing. He turned himself into something so little so that he may be joined with you. That is what it's all about. He did this all for, not IPA, not for New York, not for America. He did it for you. He did it for you. If you were the only person in the whole world, Jesus Christ still comes down. And he would do all of this just for you. Just for you. Why did Jesus Christ come down? He came down for you. If you read this passage, it talks about the 99 sheep and the one sheep that went astray. It talks about Jesus Christ giving up all the other things and coming just for the one. That one is you. That one is me. Jesus I don't know, this, I think this is the wrong verse. It's supposed to be 17, 23. But, okay, I'm going to stop using this. I'm not good at it. Yeah, don't, don't look at this anymore. I'll help you out. There you go, just a title. The title says, One with the Lord. Now, when Jesus Christ came down, like I said, he came down, he broke himself, 
made himself nothing so that we may be one with him. Now what do you think that looks like? Or what do you think that means? When he told his disciples, come and follow me, what did it mean for his disciples? It meant put everything else away and follow me. It was an honor. It was a privilege in Jewish culture. In Jewish culture, if somebody wanted to be a disciple of a rabbi, the disciple will come to the rabbi and say, Rabbi, where do you live? And the rabbi will say, come and follow me and you will see. Exactly what happened with Jesus when Andrew, I believe, came and asked him, with the other disciple, asked him, Rabbi, where do you live? He said, come and follow me. The other way a disciple became a disciple of a rabbi was when a rabbi came to a disciple and said, come and follow me. And the person would follow him. And he would be under his, uh, his, under his care and under his teaching. So similarly, Jesus Christ does the same for us. He comes into our life and he says to us, come and follow me. Now what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ? And when do you start or how do you follow Jesus Christ? When we look in the Old Testament, in the time of Moses, in the Israelites, a huge congregation of thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, how did they follow God? It was whenever the cloud lifted and began to move that the people would follow and go. And when the cloud rested, they would stop there and they would make camp and worship God. So wherever this cloud went, they also went. But there was times in the lives of the people of Israel that they disobeyed and they did not follow God. This morning, I want to talk to you and tell you the importance of being one with God in heart, in mind, and in spirit. And how do you do it? It is through obedience to Him. Obedience to Him. We can see in the, in the life of Saul, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, that Saul lost his donkey. And as he was traveling... He couldn't find it. He looked here. He looked there. And it was beginning to become evening. Suddenly at that moment, his servant says to him, there is a prophet here. Let's go and ask him where our donkeys are. It's amazing that his servant would say this. His servant said, let's go ask the prophet. Let's go inquire of God. He will tell us where our donkey is. See, the people of Israel, they looked to God for everything. Whether it was a missing donkey or the next major life decision. Even for a donkey, think about it. These people are going to a prophet to ask him, I lost a donkey. Can you tell me where a donkey is? Can you pray? For every single thing, they were asking God and looking to God for direction, for leading. We need the same attitude in our life. For the biggest and smallest decision of our life, we need to ask God, Lord, tell me what to do and how to do it. Many times we think, God doesn't speak to me. God doesn't hear. Or God, I can't hear him. How do you do this properly? If you pray, if you are sincere, God will talk to you. 
God will talk to you. God will speak to you. God will guide you. If you are sincere and true and ask him. I remember when I was going to Bible college in North India. I already spent four years in Kerala. I think three, I'm sorry, three years in Kerala. I said I want to come back home to, I want to come back, I want to come back to the United States. I don't want to stay in India anymore. But I began to pray. As I prayed to God, I, I, I put a condition. God, tell me where you want me to go. Show me. Show me where you want me to go. And at that time, that night, I remember I went to sleep. That night I had a dream. And God showed me what the college looked like, what the room looked like, how many people slept in the room, how, do you, how the staircase was. He showed me all the, place, all the things of the place where I was going to go and study. After that, that wasn't enough for me. I told God, God, not only this, you have to open the way for me to go there. God did all these things. But to be honest, did I think that God may or may not do this? I had doubt in my mind at certain times. But I believed, God, I know that you speak. Speak to me too. Speak to me too. Our life is not meant to be an aimless wandering here and there. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll marry this person. Maybe I'll marry that person. Maybe I'll go and study here. Maybe I'll go and study there. Maybe I'll live here. Maybe I'll have this job. Actually, your life is so important and so powerful that you need to be in certain places at certain times because it changes the lives of so many different people. But are you looking to God for every single decision? Let me tell you, there is a failure that comes. And there is a problem that comes when you don't look to him. I'm going to try and use this. Hopefully. Okay, it's off. In the, in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 16, verses 12. We read the story of a proud king. His name was Asa. Now, Asa was a proud king, and even at the point of death, he would not inquire of the Lord. Even though his sickness became so severe, he would not look to the Lord. Actually, he only looked to his physical physicians. But I want to bring your attention to another story as well. Joshua chapter 9, verses 12 to 16. Joshua chapter 9, verses 12 to 16. Now this is a story of Joshua and the people of God traveling through the land. Now I want you to listen closely. If you fall asleep, please wake up. Now's the time that you should listen. Joshua and the people of God were traveling through the land, and God told Joshua, do not, do not accept anybody as into your people. Do not welcome them into your group. You are holy, you're segregated, you're separated, and you are the people who are going to inherit this land. Do not leave anybody. You have to decimate the whole land. This belongs to you. It is my judgment. 
But at that time, there was a group of travelers that came to Joshua and they said to Joshua, make peace with us. And Joshua told him, they told them the command of God. Joshua said, we will not make peace with anybody that lives in this land. We will not sign any treaty. We will not have any treaty with anyone in this land. But these people tricked Joshua. They took bread that was old and moldy. And they came to Joshua and told Joshua, see, we have not come from this area. We come from a distant land. Look at our bread. It's old and moldy. Look, we have no water. We have nothing. We're coming on a long journey. And at that time, instead of inquiring with the Lord, what does Joshua do? Joshua makes a promise, a covenant with these people. We will not harm you. We will not attack you. We will not take over your land. We will leave you. And in this passage, it says, Joshua failed to inquire of the Lord. These people tricked him. These people tricked him. So many of us are failing or falling into something called deception. If you know anything about the devil, the devil always works on one thing in particular. Do you know what that is? How does the devil come? Deceiving. If the devil has done anything in the lives of mankind, in, the, in, in, in our own lives, he has done it through deception. If you look, all of the works of the devil will always have deception in it. Here, Joshua serves us as an example. You may look at something and you may think this is working and this is good. And what they're saying is like this. But in reality, sometimes it's a deception. It's a mirage. It's false. That is why God expects for us that in every situation, no matter what it is, big or small, that we come to his presence and place it at his feet and tell him about it. But we have turned prayer into something like a ritual. I only pray when I'm by myself. I only pray if I start with dear Lord Heavenly Father. I, you have to learn to pray from your mind all the time, every time. You have to share with Christ all your feelings and all your thoughts. That is when prayer becomes powerful. That is when prayer will seem, well, it will seem like nothing can touch you. But what is a life in obedience to God? And what does it yield? Is it suffering that it will yield or blessings? Some people run from God. I remember one of my friends. 
he was scared to listen to God. He said, I don't want to become a prayerful person. I think if you start praying more, you have more problems. If you start doing things more for God, you have more issues. And I kind of understood where he was coming from. But he didn't completely understand the whole picture. With all the problems comes the miracles. With all the difficulties comes the power of God. This morning, you may be thinking, no, I don't really want to be one with God. I don't really want to walk closely with God. There's too many problems that come along with it. Too many difficulties. Not enough freedom. Not enough happiness. Not enough joy. But let me tell you, if you really start walking closely with God, you will see greater joy than you will receive in this world. You will see greater promises and greater power than you will on your own. My time is coming to an end. I have about a few minutes left. I believe that this word was meant for somebody. If you look at the painting, the famous painting of Jesus Christ knocking at the door, how many of you have seen that? The painting of Jesus Christ standing at the door and knocking. How many of you have seen that? If you look closely at that picture, you will notice something. There's no door handle. There is no handle on the outside of that door in that picture. If Jesus wants to come into your life, if he wants to come into my life, when he knocks, there is no knob for him to open the door. Only you can open the door and let him in. And he says, I will come in and I will sup with you. Your fellowship will be with me and my fellowship is with the Father and we will sup together. God came down 2,000 years ago. What does it mean to you? When I was a little kid, about 10 years old, I heard a message like this and I went home. When I went home, I thought I can be Jesus Christ. I laid down on the floor, stretched out my hand, and I said, God, I'm ready. Crucify me. I thought I can also be Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? And what has he done for you? He has left all of his glory, broken himself and made himself nothing, that he can be one with you. But the question this morning is, are you ready to follow him? If you're going to follow him, he will guide you. He will instruct you, not only for the big things, but even the small things. So that you will not fall into any deception of the enemy, but that you will enter the promised land under his guidance. Let's pray.
humble and surrender ourselves to you.